Welcome to Episode 7 of the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs Podcast. Over the last few weeks, we've discussed how industry consensus standards are developed and how they are used by different organizations to help keep workers safe. Today, we're going to take the next step and talk about practical application of industry consensus standards, particularly in terms of protecting workers at height. Joining me today to talk about that is Kevin Dennis. Kevin is Director of Special Projects at Gravitech Systems. He is also the Chair of the Z359.2 Subcommittee on Minimum Requirements for Comprehensive Managed Fall Protection Program and the Z359.7 Subcommittee on Qualification and Verification Testing of Fall Protection Products. Kevin, welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here. So in setting the stage for talking about fall protection and keeping workers safe at height, I thought we could start the conversation in talking about the challenges associated with that type of work. Fall protection was recently ranked as the number one OSHA citation for fiscal year 2018. I know it's consistently ranked in the top 10 OSHA citations. So what are some of the greatest challenges and things contractors and safety professionals need to consider to keep workers safe when they're working at height? Oh, boy, Scott, that, that's a big question. Uh, there's a lot of challenges there. That's very similar to asking uh, somebody, what are the uh, considerations? to for driving a car safely. <laughs> so, sure. but when you think about OSHA citations and what I believe is the biggest challenge for employers is, is still a change in attitude. So when you look at the fatalities that we have occurring in the United States, uh, let's say for example, there's 4,500 fall related fatalities the vast majority of them still don't have fall protection in place. So the greatest challenge is actually still a change in attitude uh, for the employer to recognize that there's a need to protect the employees, uh, for the employees to recognize to, to protect themselves when they're up at heights. The equipment's there, the equipment's quality, the equipment's available. We still have an issue with usage. Uh, and that's where you see those OSHA citations. It's a, a lack of fall protection being used. Okay, so really a uh, need for greater education on the part of both the contractors and the workers to understand the risks and hazards associated with working at height and the consequences of not wearing proper fall protection? Uh, well, yes and no is everybody understands the consequences of a fall. We learned that at a very young age. Mm. Uh, we understand that there's a risk. You and I both know if we go up on a roof of our house, there's a potential we could fall off. Mm. Uh, the challenge is, is that we have to get people to slow down understand to take the time to apply fall protection. Okay? So we're asking people many times in fall protection to do something that they wouldn't normally do in their personal life. You know, uh, uh, stepping over a hatch, you know, walking up to the edge of a building, uh, climbing a fixed ladder. Uh, still socially, we're still very accepting of exposures to a fall hazard. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when those exposures to a fall hazard happen in the workplace, to the volume that it's occurring. You know, I forget what the last statistic was, but there's, you know, 30 million workers up at height. You know, mm -hmm. who only knows? Okay. It's really just an estimate. So when you think of how many times is that, can the, that number of workers potentially fall off something, that's where we continue to see these fatalities. Okay. So it's a, it's a change in recognition. It's a shift in the way we treat exposure to heights. Okay. You know, and that's the greatest challenge is we are still bucking the trend, if you will, that the equipment's heavy, it takes too long, I'm willing to take the risk, it's not worth it, I'll try to get the job done without it. So, and, and that's evident between the OSHA citations and when you review the accidents that are occurring, fall protection still isn't being employed on the vast majority of mm -hmm. those. We will still see, uh, uh, you know, equipment failures, design flaws, you know, structural collapses where equipment wasn't even even an issue. But if you had to say, what's the one root cause of all of these fall protect, or, or what's the, not so much the root cause, but 
what's the one preventive measure that we could have taken to mm -hmm. prevent all those fatalities, it would have been let's apply some degree of fall protection. Okay, so really just changing changing the mindset and how they're thinking about those things. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now, you've been a fall protection trainer for 25 years. And in your training and for fall protection in general, what role do industry consensus standards such as Z359 play in effective fall protection programs and keeping workers safe at height? There are several different roles, and, and each uh, group of person uh, looks to the ANSI standards to serve a different purpose. Uh, what I mean by that is an employer can look to the Z359 standards for direction. Okay. If I'm purchasing equipment, if I'm setting up a fall protection program, if I'm looking to train my people in fall protection, the Z359 family of standards provides direction for employers. Now you switch the group and now it's for the equipment manufacturers. It gives them a quality control standard. If I'm going to start building a harness according to Z359.11, that standard tells me as a manufacturer how to do that. How is the product tested? What type of webbing do I need to use? What kind of strength does it have to have? Mm. What are my labeling requirements? So it's somewhat of a industry norm for a manufacturer, which is a different purpose for an employer. Mm -hmm. And then for a user, if I'm going to wear that harness and I can see the ANSI Z359 mark on that harness, now I have some confidence in the quality of that product. Sure. Okay. Because it's not just a, uh, now I can reference and I can look at how it was made. So there's several advantages, if you will, for, for people buying into and using these standards. Uh, again, direction for employers, quality control for mm -hmm. uh, design requirements for manufacturers, and consumer confidence for anybody using the equipment. Okay, so a lot of practical applications for everybody involved in the process. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, with a standard like Z359, for example, there are so many different components to it and subcommittees addressing different issues. I wonder if you could speak a little bit to that and how all these different groups address the hazards associated with working at height. Oh, boy, another loaded question for me, Scott. Thank you very much. Um, so how do all these different groups address the hazards associated with working at heights, uh, uh, you know, as best they can? Uh, Z359 Fall Protection Code, or the family of standards, currently uh, I believe there's 18 different documents that make up the standard. Here in 2007, we went from a single standard to a family of standards to break out every single component of a fall protection system so it had its own standard. What I mean by that is there's a separate standard for a harness. There's a separate mm -hmm. standard for a lanyard. There's a separate standard for a self-retracting device. So um, how all these different groups address the hazards is to get these 18 standards out that are quality, they make sense to the user in a reasonable amount of time, the committee is broken into uh, several different subgroups. And as each of these subgroups works on their individual standard, there should be some synergy between each of these standards. Okay. Connectors should be consistent across the board. Arresting forces should be consistent across the board. Uh, the capacity of the equipment and the user weights, instructions. So although there's all these individual standards, they should, for the most part, read the same, mm -hmm. have right, the same look right. and feel. Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, and that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, is all of these standards get developed at different times of years. Sure. Uh, the industry changes. There might be some laws that change. It takes a while to uh, edit or maintain a standard. So uh, the, the comedic side of me says, you know, how do we handle to address this? Well, we keep up the good fight and do the best we can. <laughs> 
Sure. And and that makes sense just to make sure with all these different subcommittees creating different documents that, that you've got some consistency, everybody's speaking the same language. And then I would imagine it's that much easier to understand for the end user. Yes, that's that's the intent. That's the goal. You know, that's the hope. Uh, you've got all these industry professionals and it's a fantastic committee. It's a wonderful group. Uh, but to get, you know, uh, 50, 60 people to all agree on a topic, that's why it is a industry consensus standard. And that's right. why it takes some time um, uh, to develop. But that is the hope and that's the intent that they all uh, work together, you know, so that an employer, manufacturer or a user can use these standards to protect themselves more when they're working at height. Going more specifically to your work as the, the chair of those subcommittees, the Z359.2 and the Z359.7, how does the standard address safety as it relates to fall protection products themselves? I'll use point seven as, as an example, um, and actually any product standard. The idea behind a voluntary consensus standard is that it, it makes products or work practices consistent throughout the nation so everybody can work, plan, budget, and obviously improve the programs to, to protect the workers up at heights. So how this standard works is, at least an equipment standard, there's design requirements that a manufacturer must meet. Uh, there's testing requirements that a manufacturer must meet for that product. Okay. There's labeling requirements, so somebody picking up that product can look at the label and reference it back to how that product was built or tested. Then there's individual marking and then instructions that have to go along with that product. So any product that goes through the Z359 family of standards has design requirements, testing requirements, labeling, and then marking requirements. Mm -hmm. So what does that do to the safety of fall protection product? Hopefully it creates a higher quality of product for users of, of you know, ANSI Absolutely, fall yeah. protection gear. It allows for, uh, in some ways, fair competition amongst manufacturers because everybody's building it according to the same same standard. Right, right. Okay. You know, and and it, the greatest benefit is it puts a quality product in the hands of the user. If somebody ever falls and they're going to rely on this equipment to save their life, that it's going to work. And that's ultimately what each of these subcommittees and each of these standards are trying to do through 0 0.7, 0 0.11, 12, 13, all the way up to, to 18, is that the products that we are manufacturers are creating under the ANSI standard are quality enough that they're going to work as intended if anybody should ever fall into them. Okay, great. Well, uh, thank you very much again, Kevin, for joining me today and talking about how we can use these standards to help keep workers safe at height. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. Be sure to join us next time when we'll be speaking with Regina McMichael about her ASSP publication, The Safety Training Ninja. We'll see you then.